You're listening to a DM podcast. We we are back in another ramshackle edition of the Football Shed, the football podcast for fans that live in the wrong time zone. Uh, Jeff King's here. Great. Uh, John Hewitt is not here, but um, is on the mend, which is great, and we're hoping we can get him back in the shed soon. Uh, and I'm here, Rog. Um, <laughs> ramshackle. Ramshackle. No one uses ramshackle. Uh, no questions this week, Jeff. But what are you drinking? Um, today, Roger. Tonight, Roger. I am drinking mainly a bleeding heart South Australian Shiraz. If you were um, on stars in their eyes, which yeah. is what you were <laughs> launching into, that got that sad. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, what would you do? I'd be Elton John. <laughs> Why? Why Elton John? You look nothing like. Well, Elton yeah, but John. that's the whole point about the stars in their eyes. No one looks like anyone. You might as well be Belinda Carlisle well, for do all the care. Uh, when they no, come they out don't. The not, not really. <laughs> I might as well be Elton John. Be like a short, chubby, glasses-wearing gay bloke. Why not? Yeah, okay. You know, it's, you'll think it one night at it. Sure. Give it a go. Yeah, why not? Be the rocket man. Um, okay. <laughs> Who would uh, you be at Stars in Their Eyes, oh, Rod? God, I don't know. Um, someone tall and skinny. Elton <laughs> 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 John would be a bit too close to that. You're in the spirit of things, yeah. <laughs> um, maybe um, David Bowie. David Bowie. You yeah. do remind me of David Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I, uh, oh, I had an exciting. I'm not. This won't be a long anecdote about beer, but I did have an ex- quite an exciting time before recording the pod tonight. Yeah, go on. In that I went to your little local bottle shop that you never go to. That's really good. Oh yeah. Um, and I bought lots of beer. Okay. Uh, for the weekend, lots of Whoa. exciting beers. Uh, and I'm drinking one of them now, which is. Without realising it, the same one that I had last time on the shed, which is the, um, if you remember, the double dry hopped pale, uh, which is a vocation hop showcase. With yeah. That hop that hasn't been invented yet. Do you remember <laughs> yeah, that? I do. I we do. can have that conversation again. No, no, we can't. No, um, we can't. Okay. Uh, let's talk about football, Jeff. Where did you want to start this week? Well, I mean, it, it, what's really Should hard. Should we set the scene from. Well, yeah, I, two I, weeks I ago. think what's really hard is, is that. You want to talk about football, don't you? But then something happens that throws everything into chaos again. And obviously, you know, um, you know, since 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 John's been out of action, we've been doing the shed pretty much every every couple of weeks because John is the glue that holds our lives together. Uh, and and we're we probably missed our our week of talking about actual football because fucking hell. It all just fell apart. So, I mean, again, no one who listens to this lives under a rock and doesn't know what's going on in football. So what I'm referring to is the Manchester United-Liverpool game that was postponed because of the crowd action. Is that a, a, a fair term yeah, to put it? Yeah, I mean, I would say it was postponed. There's obviously been other um, fan protests, but essentially it was, I guess it was postponed specifically because fans got into the ground. With their protests. Yeah, into the ground, uh, on the pitch, and from what I can read, uh, that is a COVID problem. It's not just the fact that they couldn't clear them from the pitch and play the game. That and essentially essentially breaches the bubbles, and it means that this game cannot be played. Um, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts on this, and I, I, don't, I don't want it to completely dominate this week's shed, but it probably will do. And I'm sorry if everyone's sick of hearing it all, but... I think there are some really interesting caveats and narratives that go hand in hand with this. And I guess I want to start by talking about the responsibility we have when we talk about it. Okay. Because, so, what I've been shocked by this week... I mean, just put some foundation behind this. When When the European Super League was announced, it had international, broad condemnation. I don't know anyone who thought it was a good idea. Would you agree with that? Do you know anyone who thought it was a great idea? Bankers. Bankers, is that, as in the uh, rhyming slang version. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe someone at JP Morgan. Yeah. Um, however, you know, there was universal condemnation. So the protests that happened afterwards in, you know, under the backdrop of the condemnation were 
heralded as something that was good. You know, when you protest against something that everyone disagrees with, the protests are cheered. You know, and the the media and the news yeah, newspapers, podcasts, TV, social media, every everywhere you consumed media was positive about these protests. You know, so much so that the Chelsea fans got credited. We, we discuss it. Chelsea fans got credited widely with single-handedly Starting tearing away. down the, yeah. the Super League and saving football, right? Essentially, it was a protest. So we have now been, you know, two weeks has passed. We'll talk about what's happened in those two weeks for the Super League in a minute, I guess. But two weeks has passed where we've all been pretty much pro-protest. It's a good thing, right? So United, they decide to protest the biggest game of the season again we're still that's a good thing this is this is a good thing that they're protesting this thing that we all agree is bad right mm-hmm. now you, it's funny that's happened with Manchester United obviously because of the Glazers it's been 16 years since they took over and we all know that they have been protesting the Glazers with no <laughs> to no avail for 16 years you know yeah. varying degrees of, of ferocity they've been they've been protesting I mean but, this is more back to how it was when things originally happened and the you know the, the passionate Man United supporters were very very vocal at the time about this not being good yeah of course not wanting the Glazers to come in and the and the argument which, which I think is a fair one is to say that they have been protesting peacefully for 16 years and haven't had a voice haven't felt heard and no change has happened and now after what happened on Sunday or Saturday after what happened on Saturday it was a late game on Saturday the they suddenly have a voice the world has paid up uh, sorry stood up paid attention people are talking about the Glazers they're talking about leveraged takeovers you know I reckon if you if you look at the 2,000 people who were there and I don't mean to pass this you know dispersions on, on everyone who was protesting but if, I, th- I think if you were to you know do a, a 10 question quiz on on a leverage on a leveraged acquisition for those 2,000 people that were there not many of them would be able to have a very long conversation with you about it but I think after the protest although I do think I agree with you to an extent but I think there was a bit of a, a mix there from what I've read like obviously I think there was a there was a uh, a fairly youthful element there with with a lot of it um but there were some other people that i've read comments from that were there that don't necessarily fit that mold and don't necessarily agree with the specific action that was taken but it's like a means to an end and they they just want there to be something you know there yeah. needed to be something and so they did it and is it do you know it's interesting you, you you're right in that there's been a lot of discussion about it and a lot of that's probably because of COVID and it was an empty ground. If this was 2,000 fans protesting out the ground, might have got a bit of coverage, you know, before the game, mm. uh, but probably would have gone away very quickly. But it's amazing, you know, doing it in an empty ground and getting on the ground and the game not being able to go ahead, you know, is suddenly a very different story well it's, it's yeah i think you're right it's interesting because even if they hadn't got on the ground you'd argue that the protesters outside the lowry hotel where they were staying stopped the team from leaving so that arguably the game would have been postponed anyway even had they not been on the ground but being on the ground was the spectacle that everyone saw now it really does um you know we're we're behind these protests because we detest what happened with the super league and we know the way they feel about their owners and you know i would say that in in the corporate world a leverage takeover is not uncommon and yes it's gross but that's a very different conversation to to have but within a football club you know as an institution of a community it's a very strange thing to mesh the two worlds which we know that we struggle to reconcile and we've discussed that till we're blue in the but, face but it's uh, at the same time and, and we've talked about it it's gone i think a lot of that we don't like it but it's, got, it's, it's reality it almost doesn't matter that we don't like it because first football was you know the super league isn't something new it hasn't just appeared mm. you know it's been talked about since the 90s this is a, it's a concept of where football's at and the ultra commercialization of football has been happening for a very long time mm. i mean i not to um move away from what you're talking about but one of the things that struck me immediately after reading this was that the Glazers' response has essentially been, well, we're not going anywhere and, you know, we're going to turn our, um, you know, however many billion dollar business into 
a ten a ten a, billion dollar business yeah into a, yeah a, a more profitable you know billion dollar a, big, a bigger business they're still just they they don't care they they're still just this is still a business transaction and they're just talking about uh, their vision has nothing to do with football it just has everything to do with making money mm. and I just they clearly this you know has no effect on them. Well, and not only do they not care, Rog, they're, they're literally trying to buy you off. Not you. They're going, okay, well, we're going we're gonna to make this more profitable. And I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to buy Harry Kane. Whee! Everyone happy now? Yeah. Everyone happy now? And and that is it's almost as insulting as, as, as the rest of it. Because you're like, so you can just be fobbed off and bought off, you know, left, right and centre. But then you'd argue that we all are all the time yeah you know we we this isn't isolated to the six clubs who who tried to tear away and, and destroy football from from under our feet this is we have all been guilty and are regularly guilty of letting this happen to football and then comfortably putting the wool over our eyes as long as something pretty turns up on the pitch and we actually demand it there it almost feels like there's no space for average anymore but maybe um I mean, maybe that's something good that comes from the ESL, and mm. perhaps, that, like you said, like you said when we talked about this, that was the line, and it was a bridge too far and a bit too confronting for people. And maybe people will actually now look at things a bit more and go, "Well, this is where we're at. Is this really what we want? Mm. And what can we do to take our game back?" It feels it feels like that's what's happening. And and you what you've what you just said there to jump on it, you said, "What can we do to take our game back?" What happened on Saturday? is the United supporters proved that they could do something to even temporarily, momentarily, it was a you know, short space in time, took their game back. They went, we will not let you play. We, the fans, have the power to not let you play. This game will be postponed. And it's a significant game in the context of, of course. the league season with where you know where the clubs are at. And, and remember, this is on international TV. There, there, are, yeah. there are broadcasters who pay a lot of money around the world who have to fill two and a half hours worth of prime time broadcasting space and actually all they can show is clips of fans support fans in yellow. the ground <laughs> in the ground you know you know, causing havoc and that in itself kind of taints the sheen of the premier league and manchester united and and you know from its worth or its value its sponsorship or whatever that has a material effect and and you do that over and over again it will have a material effect so, so going what, back what did to, you mean when you said that um our responsibility. Yeah, you have to be careful about how... Yeah, so this is something that I've been quite uncomfortable with. So, okay, take all take all of that that, we, that, we've, that we've just said and I'd say that we're probably on the same page, right? Now, if you are a radio broadcaster or a TV broadcaster and you share that opinion, that is a dog whistle. And that is a dog whistle to the continuation of the situation that we're in right now. And I'm not saying that we all need to just lay over it and go, okay, well, we've had our say, now let's, let's see what happens. I'm not, I'm not saying that there should be no solution. But what I'm saying is if you commend the Manchester United supporters for shutting down this game, have taking direct action and saying, we're going to protest, no one's been listening, so we're going to press a bit further and have this bit of chaos so people start listening. And then the conversations for the next few days are about exactly what they want them to be about. They're about the Glazers, they're about the takeover, they're about money. It's like, fuck, We've done it. We've got this conversation to the, be the biggest football conversation in the world. Right. What If we as broadcasters, or you know, we're not broadcasters, we do a fucking mm. podcast, but you know what I mean. If, if those who speak of these things commend that, pat them on the head, say you've done it, you've done a great job, I love that you've actually got people to listen, isn't it great that we're having this conversation? What you're going to do is inspire more and more often and larger acts that are exactly the same and, and i think that is that will, a bad thing though no but there will eventually be blood on our hands by doing so oh, well i just i mean some people would say you never have a revolution without people getting hurt like i, I just i mean i say that a bit flippantly yeah. but I, I do there's an element of without getting um too philosophical you know, football reflects society. society yeah, you're exactly right. It's a mirror, and, yeah. And we, and we talk about it all the time. Um, you know, for a long time, you know, a lot of people in the Western world generally have been 
fairly comfortable and you know corporations have got richer the all the money has been concentrated in the hands um you know of um, fewer and fewer people there's even more of a rotating door between government and private industry you know mass privatization um it's pretty gross and and you know all that goes hand in hand with stricter policing i mean you only got to look at the uk government you know you've got that on the one hand when on the other hand you've got someone like Priti Patel who essentially wants to take policing back to the dark ages mm. um, in terms of restricting people's rights to, to protest and so I think some people would say that it's now got to the point where you know for there to be action or to be heard you do need to cause some disruption or I mean this is where I, I mean I, I don't know enough about it to, to talk from a position of authority but when you see groups like extinction rebellion you know there is a it's a it's a slightly different way of of protesting um yeah rather than just you know the standard sort of um shouting and screaming and, shouting having, and, screaming a, having a sign and, and, yeah you know mass mobilization of peaceful protest because at the end of the day has that we we have lost the political activism in society that we had in say the 60s and 70s is very yeah, very well, very different now my but yeah I, I agree with everything you said and we are more passive and perhaps we're waking up now which is a which is a good thing but where where i get very uncomfortable is where i hear I hear pundits and uh, so i listen to a um listen to the bbc radio a little bit and there is a, I, I, I cringed with discomfort on a few things that were said, not because I didn't agree with them. Don't get me wrong. Not because I didn't think, man, great that you say, I'm with you. Like, it's, I love it. I love the chaos. Like, like go stick it to the but man. But think about it when you're but I'm thinking, people listening. Jesus, this was, an, this was an isolated group that organized and, uh, you know, attempted disruption. It was, it was th- the three different places where thousands of people were organized on social media and between members of certain types of um supports clubs yeah right when you suddenly go from a a micro organization to mass media when every single voice is echoing good on you what you're doing is you're wolf whistling to everyone who wasn't involved in the private meetings in the first place and then suddenly you have what is chaos well and you go well other than you know your belief in the cause and what the people are trying to achieve how different is that to the trump capitol hill it's, protests it's the same yeah and, and i don't i don't mean i mean it's the same for a different cause i'm not saying the the insurrection in the united states it you know was a battle against the same type of thing it's not however there were people but i take your point but, yeah. but there are that's that's our opinion and there are plenty of other people in the states now um i would disagree vehemently with all of them but who think that they were doing were right, a good yeah. thing and they were protesting something that was real and there was a broad selection of demographics and and education and income and and you know in the insurrection in the united states the thing that was most shocking is that you know there are 70 year old hairdressers and retired people and and it was a whole group who had been part of this thing that they believed that their cause was worth crossing that line for now, that's exactly what's happened at the weekend. To Again, I'm not saying that trying to overthrow the US yeah. government is the, is the <laughs> same as, as kicking, the, you know, stopping a football match. It's not. But when you see these, when you see the the people on the pitch with their mobile fucking phones out, like, haven't you learned anything? You've got to mm. take a selfie while sitting on top of a goal? We've just seen the FBI fucking <laughs> yeah. arrest anyone who was like who had a flag on the day, and rightly so. And you're, you're taking a photo of yourself trespassing. But then... What's even stranger to me is that the police are saying that they're going to go after or look to arrest one or two people who might have been those who committed uh, assault on the police officer or the person who kicked in the door. They're not going after everyone who got on the pitch. They're not just rounding them all up and go. And not getting me wrong, I don't want to be in a in a you, you know communist police state where they round them all up. However, what that is reinforcing is that it's okay even the police are saying it's okay good on you we're mm. against the super league we're against the glazers and fuck what the, what they've just what we have just done is given permission 
broad permission permission for this to be the norm for an extended period of time until something dramatic changes well it, it, and it, i mean it's a very interesting conversation but and it's i mean that's i think that's what happens with this stuff is you do get into these societal conversations even when we're talking about football because they are so intrinsically linked but you know we say that and yes something happened albeit for a brief period of time but i mean my personal view is when i saw the glazes stuff and the response and for me the damning radio silence at the moment oh on the esl like where where is uefa where is the premier league we've heard some light and fluffy language about maybe a charter or you know the premier league um instituting some controls about how this won't happen again but there's to me there's definitely seems at the moment like there's an attitude of like mateiness and oh yeah. welcome oh, back oh, to the oh, uefa family that a shit yeah. decision oh we didn't really mean it that was yeah. rubbish we're, we're back and now we'll just carry on making money i'm like no that this has to be if it, it, this has to be a moment where there is seismic shift in football and punishment and we need to seriously look at the game and if we don't it really is gone so let me ask you if you, if there was a punishment put in place quicker from the super league debacle do you think that last saturday would have happened because it's been two weeks with nothing not necessarily and i don't necessarily think you even need to have announced a punishment i think as a minimum you need to say there will definitively be consequences and this is the time frame that we will be considering what those are and mm. this is when we will announce them um because at the moment there's not even that i think if you've got that because you might not want you don't necessarily want to make a knee-jerk decision there's a lot to consider there but my concern at the moment is there's going to be nothing that this literally there was uh you know an attempt at a football piracy yeah and there's, there's nothing if we've learned anything through history if you let people get away with something like this they will just be emboldened and they'll do it again but they'll plan a bit better and next time they'll be successful okay so so what why hasn't there been a punishment okay so there are three bodies because they're all fucking corrupt <laughs> there are, so there are three bodies that will determine that apart four okay i'll add another one i'll add the uk government <laughs> question that one oh, God. so there's the premier yeah. league uefa and fifa Right, the Premier and the UK government. And the UK government. <laughs> the Premier League is very interested in how much money it makes. Yeah. And if it was to drastically punish the th the six clubs that generated the most revenue in their TV packages, then they have problems. Okay, right. Let's let's look at UEFA. Let's think. Oh well, UEFA. Let's see if UEFA can help. What a corrupt bunch of pricks UEFA are in the first place. Like the the whole reason why the Champions League is getting reformed the way it is is because of the bloody back enders that made that possible. Okay, are FIFA going to step in? No, they're too busy just killing folk in Qatar. Like, and sorry, a bit flippant, but you know, but Seth Blatter and Gianni Infantino live in the next village from each other in Switzerland. Like, whenever I think of that with FIFA, that sums it up to me. It's like the you know the guy in the next village. So we we should have been you know storming grounds and postponing postponing games when Russia and Qatar were were given the World Cups. But we weren't. We were, the World Cup's quite a nice thing. We look forward to it. Isn't it great? And, and so we have let this get to this point. And now we're looking at, at the, the bodies that protect us and going, why hasn't there been a punishment? Because if you don't punish something, this is going to get worse. And we have let the bodies become rotten, rotten to the core with no accountability because the Champions League's fun to watch. We all look forward to the World Cup. We can, because of the Premier League TV rights, we can sit in Australia and watch it on Optus. Yeah. And we love it. So we've just lapped up this world that's allowed this corrupt, rotten pile of scum to let this stuff go unpunished, ready for the next time. And the result of that is people are rioting in the street. Which is why we should not be surprised about any of this. That's my thing. There is no element of surprise. Here. No, there isn't. Like, there no. is literally none. Like when I saw the ESL thing, I'm like, you know, yeah, there's an element of perhaps it's a bit cheeky but if there was one thing i didn't feel it was surprise no but the i think perhaps what is different is and we talked about this um when we're talking about the esl was that with those other things you talked about yes they're they're a disgrace but 
they're happening in a land far away and they don't affect me while I sit on my sofa here and, and there's there's that attitude of it it mm. you can shut yourself off from it and that is that is such a real phenomenon like that that's what people do it's like it's an innate human reaction but whereas this was like so in your face and it was a change that you can see that it has really affected people but my concern is i guarantee you the approach from all these clubs now is just going to be spin say nice things stay quiet um you know talk about football lots and hope it goes away and hey we'll have a bit more of a think about it but we've got the new champions league format coming which is um you know kind of towards what we want anyway and we're not going to get punished like that's what they'll be doing now and i have a horrible horrible feeling that that's what's going to happen they'll be allowed to do it there'll be no well i think there'll be some there'll be some tokenistic measures and i've seen it already this week come out with chelsea uh, and chelsea have said that they will they are committed to allowing fan representation onto their board. But these are PR. This is what I mean. This is PR yeah. spin. It's not real. Tell, tell yeah. Tell me what that means. Does that mean you, you instead of spending you know sixty pounds a ticket, you can spend five hundred and fifty pounds a ticket and look at a board meeting through a glass window? Like like what what are you talking about by accepting fan representation onto a board? Does that mean you get voting rights in a decision? How many voting rights? What does that What does that even mean? It's impossible. So when you when we look at what change, let's look go back to Manchester United, right? Ask them what they want to change. Glazers out. That's not real. That's not going to happen. The Glazers are not going to leave. They own an incredibly valuable asset that they have a strategy in place that's going to make them more money. The only way they'll leave is if they'll sell it. Now, are they going to sell it to someone who is? you know, a philanthropist or someone from Manchester who wants to give it back to the community. How do you sell a $3 billion asset to someone? I mean, look, if you've got $3 billion to spend on a football club, you're probably a prick too. I mean, what I'd probably do is, if this is me... Um, Which one? Who are you being right now? Are you the Glazers? Or gov- are you, no, no, government intervention. Okay. It's the only way it's got so far now that I... I mean, I, Regulation, our, yeah. Our society is broken. It's regulation. And you break it up. And to be honest, I'd you know, probably be happy just offing a lot of these um, people, <laughs> to be honest. But, um, you know, sometimes there's a lot, you know in a benevolent dictatorship you could get you know maybe like uh maybe china you could see a change happen quickly in this space yeah. but obviously there'd be some fairly significant consequences but in the society and the environment that we've built now i i just don't see any sort of drastic change happening and that's sad but i just i don't the only it's, th- it's too far gone the only hope that i have if i if i'm sorry it's been really negative and the, the only hope that i have is that this kind of experience is something that will stop this situation happening again i don't think we can go back with the situation we have but i think as football ebbs and flows you know as we protect the pyramids and the ecosystem and it as it ebbs and flows which it always does even with unlimited money in it it ebbs and flows as it does if you are owner of a club that is if you're the owner of norwich or Watford, or Brentford, and you are looking at how you expand and how you treat your fans, and you see what's going on at the clubs that have let themselves just slowly implode and eat themselves with their own greed, you look at that, and you have a playbook of what not to do. And I would hope that this has a positive effect on everyone else. I would hope that. But that is so whimsical, isn't it? There's no... Well, did did you know that... The other thing I wanted to touch on this with this is um, a slightly different slant, which is that um, there's been a lot of talk about Germany and perhaps that's a model that we should aspire to. How, um, Roger? How, how are you? Well, no, no, but just in terms of the, the 50 plus one. And as, you, I, as we just discussed, that would be incredibly difficult to go to. But I also, um, I read a very very good article by Jonathan Wilson in the Guardian um, <coughs> talking about the new um, Bayern manager so um, Flick Hans Flick has mm. been given the Flick by Bayern 
um, essentially because they felt like he wanted too much control over the team mm-hmm. um, and they didn't want to do that. Um, so Nagelsmann's coming in. So he's been the upcoming coach in Germany, been talked about for a long time. Who's going to get him? Of course, Bayern get him. Bayern's about to win their ninth title in a row, mm-hmm. Monkey League. Um, their annual revenue is 73% higher than the next wealthiest team. Leipzig ran them close this year, but they're still going to finish more than 10 points behind them. And Bayern are just about to sign Leipzig's best player. Like they do every for, year. Like they yeah. do every year, which you know, is their central defender. And I mean, I look at that and I go, actually, is that that much better? Where, yes, we've got a system where fans have some say in running their club, but that system is clearly broken. If you have one team that has won nine titles in a row and can still then go and buy the best player from the team that... Ch- like, how do you change that status quo? You, you make a good point, Roger. And, and Germany has a very um, a very deep footballing culture and footballing history. It's not... It has a, a big population. It, it, you know, it's a big country. You know, it's not like Portugal, and I mean that in the in the nicest possible way. But but where it has you know a, a few big epicenters, but not a broad spread of population throughout the country with with lots of wealth and lots of lots of footballing heritage. I don't know why I picked Portugal. I'm sorry, but you know what I mean. Germany yeah. isn't like that. It should be more even. There should be a Berlin side that does better, but there isn't one, and. But then look at the Premier League. Man City will have won four out of the last five years. Man City replaced their whole back four at the weekend. Is that right? Four out of the last five? Yeah. So they won two in a row. Then Liverpool. No, they won three out of the last five. No, no. Oh, 2016 was the last. Uh, yeah, you're right. Sorry. Because they won two in a row. Uh, and then Liverpool. Then Liverpool. So they've won three of the last four. Yeah. Yeah. Well... Man City replaced their whole backline at the weekend. Their whole backline. The brand new backline they brought on cost £310 million. Yeah. Pounds, and then they replaced their whole backline again for a £210 million backline, which is their first choice. That's a broken system too. Like We, we can't look at this starry-eyed. That, no, that, that, that shouldn't I, I, no, happen. I, I completely agree, but I suppose all, the only reason I use the German example is because in recent weeks it, there's been a lot of talk about the German model was perhaps being the solution. And I suppose I just use that point to illustrate that maybe there's some issues there. And I would love, I would love to talk to a German fan about, because they are, if there's one, one nation, God, that's no, that's not the right, but the Germans are very, very passionate about their football mm. as much as, you know, there's a um, goldfish bowl there that is the same as in the UK. Like yeah, of course. Yeah. Love it. And, uh, you know, are they happy with generally how things are run there um, when that's a situation? I don't know. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was, it was interesting in the context of, uh, you, you know, everything being great. In well, I just, I just think it's a, it's a buzzword. 50 plus one is just a buzz, yeah. buzz nonsense that no one's thought through or understands. They just think, well, that makes sense. 51% owned by fans. If it's even that what it means, no one... Yeah, well, Leipzig have found ways, like Red, the Red Bull have um, obviously stretched the... Yeah, it's just nonsense. It, it's, 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 a, it's a nonsense buzzword that people are just looking for a solution and it's because people are desperate. And that's because you know, all of this has happened in the backdrop of COVID. I know it sounds like a really cliche thing to do, but people have you know, hyper-localised. They've looked in their community for their support network and they have had their community threatened by the big bad wolf. And that is up and down Europe because of this European Super League. And because of that, they've come out fighting with their community to protect their community. And I don't think there's been a period in the last 20 years where there's been so much hyper-localisation that's caused that type of... Um, response from from a local area. Yeah, you know, they're, they're they're proud of Manchester right now in in Manchester. They're proud of where the football club came from, and you know the the history of the unions and the, and the docks and the that's where this is coming from. You know, and someone ripping that out, that spirit out, feels so much worse it's from the legacy fans. Yeah, the legacy fans. <laughs> exactly right. 
I so, mean, it's interesting in a football sense as well that um, potentially Man United are going to be the... Uh, sorry, Man City are going to be the only team of the ESL group that may win their league. That's that interesting, right? yeah. Were Inter in the... Um, I don't know if they were, were they? No, it was just Juve in Italy? And AC Milan. And AC Milan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so... Inter have just broken the Juventus. Juventus have won nine titles in a row, and um, well, it's because it's panic, Rog. You wouldn't do it if you were doing well. That's like, very true. Because you don't need the money. No, you're right. There was the if there were the clubs that were leading it that were panicking, and there were the other ones that just thought, jumped on. Jumped yeah. on. Yeah. And and I don't feel sorry for Man City and Chelsea. They made their beds, but I do think that those two clubs are not as culpable as the others. And and. But then you say that, but it's funny because I immediately go to with that. Well, the only reason that's the case because they talked about it is because they're in it for sports washing, and they don't want to look like have dicks. so much money. Yeah. So is that just as bad? They, like, they just don't <laughs> panic about losing money. They're like, it's fine if we don't win the league. We're cool. Yeah. We're, we're all cool. because we want to hide some of you know our less than. Um, uh, or where, like I don't know quite know how to put it. Um, <laughs> some kosher. of the, le- the less savoury elements of you yeah. know what we do, we would like to gloss over with but, our football success. But that's what I mean. We have let this happen for so long that yes, it's nice that it's come to a head, but we have we are all responsible for this at every point, every turning point where we all could have made a stand, we didn't, and we've enjoyed the spectacle. But then, and back to my very first point on this conversation before we move on to talk about actual football, there is a responsibility of those reporting it to be very careful. Because right now the tinderbox has been lit. And if we very if we broadcast that this is a great idea, I, th- I think we're in dangerous times. Has it been lit? Do you, do you think that this is a sign of that there'll be more protests? Or do you, like I must admit, I subscribe more to the... There'll be a few little spot fires, but the PR train and the money wins out and we get no real change. I would be... I'll give it a sweeping statement. I don't think that Manchester United will have another home game this season. I do not think... I, I think the momentum caused by this and the, the widespread rejoice from so many sectors has given them permission to do this over and over again and I actually think there'll be more people next time people who didn't even know about it the first time are going to rock up the next time they're not going to let them out of their hotel they're going to be outside the stadium they're not going to let the bus in it's worked yes it'll be harder to do next time but they have momentum they have the conversation if they let it go now they've wasted the only opportunity that they've had in the last 16 years to actually be talked about for the point that they want to be talked about I don't think that these people are going to let United play at Old Trafford again this season. And then wait till next year when there's fans in the stadium. It's going to be fucking chaos. Yeah, but will it, like... Yes, it genuinely you will. This, you think that this, there will be a change? The, unless something dramatic happens to calm everything down. Like Man United winning the league. But that didn't even do it last time. But something dramatic has to happen. Either sweeping legislation that means, okay, we can see it's all moving in the right direction, then everyone jumps on board with that. Or, you know, the glazers selling the club, or whatever it is that's symbolic. But something drastic has to happen to stop this because right now the wave's crashing down and well, there's yeah, nothing I mean, we can I, do about it. I'd be, yeah, it'd be very interesting to see. I I, I don't, yeah, I, I disagree. I, I just, I don't think you can underestimate the power of money and generally money wins out and these things just get swept under the carpet but then that balance that with the product you're selling if, if that is commonly known that you've swept that under the carpet how do you sell that to a new market how do your sponsors once these once these people start putting pressure on the sponsors on chevrolet and adidas going it's disgusting they've swept this under the carpet they don't we don't you know your brand goes against our community then you well, know, that, they start losing you, money. You make a good point because that is where I think they miscalculated and all this talk of the legacy fans and what have you. And, and again, we talked about this. It's, it's that, um, you know, that is part of what you're selling. The history and these fans and the passion and, the, you know, the, the ups and downs and 
you can't have the product you're selling without all that other stuff. And mm. if you start to strip all that other stuff out, you've basically got a glorified friendly game every week. Well, that's no it. one gives a shit about. Because no one gives a shit about the International Champions Cup. It's yeah. essentially the same thing. It's the Super League pre-season. And, but you, you know what happened in the United States when, when fans... Sorry, when viewers went after um, commercial sponsors on Fox News. Sponsors started pulling their money out of Fox News. Because they would, they would, they would send the sponsor clips of a Fox News host or guest saying something that they go, "How can you associate your brand with this tripe?" And the brands were going, "Shit, we didn't know. Like, we aren't paying attention. Yes, we associate our brand with everyone. We, we use an advertising agency. We weren't paying attention. Oh my god, our Colgate ad was right after this right wing racist fuck. We don't want that. We're going to pull our ad from that TV station. As soon as you go after the money." It has a material difference. I'm not saying Fox News has changed, but it's shrunk its viewership and it's sh- certainly shrunk its revenues because of it. So, who I don't think the genie's going back in the well, bottle. I mean, it'd be very interesting to see um, who have Manchester United got this weekend. I don't actually know what the. Um... No one. It will be postponed. There you go. I just I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm getting caught up in it. I just, I just, I just, that's my, that's my opinion. Well, they're away at Aston Villa, which is a big game. That is a big. And game. I mean, it's interesting because essentially, football in context, Man City have won the league in all but name, mm-hmm. um, and could have won the league obviously if this game wasn't postponed and uh, Liverpool would have won. So, if, but if we assume that Man United have, uh, sorry, Man City have won the league, um, perhaps the only interesting thing really to talk about, and I think relegation battles over, would you agree? I agree, yeah. Um, is Champions League, <laughs> which is interesting because all this conversation is about ESL and the Champions League. Uh, yeah. And that's what they're, fighting for um man united are probably a shoe in but i think from leicester down with four games to go it's probably still all up for debate yeah i think um i think leicester are in i think there's only one spot to play for i think chelsea west ham spurs and I don't even think Liverpool. Even I think... though Leicester have a track record of throwing this away, which say they drew with Southampton at the weekend. Southampton were down to ten men for a fair whack of that game. Um, yeah, but that, uh, I want to believe. I I quite want. I want to believe in Leicester that it's not going to happen again. But I do worry for them. All it, it like it is, it's like yeah, it's four games, but it can change so quickly. Like it's still you know all of a sudden they lose two games, and. You know, they're they're out of. Yeah, but Chelsea still have to play Manchester City. Uh, West Ham have got a tricky run in, so I don't think anyone's taken them over. And and okay, using la- the last week last week's game as an example, there are there are times in football where the result and the fixture is not as straightforward as it looks on face value. So when Southampton went down to ten men, that is exactly how they started when they lost in the, was nine, it, nine nil, nil. <laughs> yeah. right? So yeah, you're right. If so there's more to it, that is that is quite a unique moment for those Southampton players to go. Shit, are we going to let this happen again? <laughs> and actually, so so that's I wouldn't say that's a reflection on Leicester. I'd say that's a reflection on the moment in time on Saturday. But again, what Man City play Chelsea this week? If Chelsea lose that, then I I, th- I think Leicester Leicester are in. So I mean, uh, it looks. Like the top four is going to be the top four. Well, the only team I think, and a part of me just wants it to be, is West West Ham. Ham. Because, okay, so West Ham, but this will be over by the time anyone listens to the shed because West Ham play Everton at the weekend. And what would be typical is in the, the game after Everton stop caring because they fuck it up, they go and ruin West Ham's season. (laughs) I thought West Ham had a really good win this morning. Um, Burnley went one nil up. I do you know. I I really like Chris Wood. I thought you might say that. Go on. Well, I just love it that in like today's football, there is still time for a proper <laughs> lumper, yeah. and he is such a lumper. Mm. Like he, you know, 
he would not look out of place in non-league football. But he also doesn't look out of place in the Premier League. Like he's maybe I'm doing him a disservice, but um, you know he plays to his strengths and he does it very well. He scored a great hat trick last week. He, you know, he um, did. Did you see the penalty this morning? Yeah, yeah like excellent. He stumbles his way through. Um, I, I don't actually think it was a foul. I think he more took the guy out. Yeah. Um, but kind of got a penalty just because he's a massive lump. But I just enjoy that, um, you know, there can be a player like that that still has success at the highest level. But I thought West Ham did really well to get back in the game. Antonio scored two good goals. Um, he kind of poaches goals, if you like. Um, and, you know, from a couple of good balls into the box. And I that was a really important game for West Ham. And they're not going away. Yeah, they keep getting results. Benarama was good again this morning. Um, that's his name, right? Benarama. That's yeah. not Benarama. Benarama. Ben, ben yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, having Antonio. It sounds like the most obvious thing. Having Antonio back gives him <coughs> a, a, a bit of focus, which is just at the right time of the season too. It's amazing because he, the goals he scored this morning, they're strikers' goals. Yeah, maybe he's, were, a, he's actually. Uh, slash right back goals. Yeah, he's actually <laughs> become a striker. I thought it was a bit disappointing when you hear him speak after the game and he said he didn't do his dance because he's worried about VAR. He goes, he doesn't want to do a dance and have a game, have a goal ruled out. And I'm like, oh, that's a shame. VAR's yeah. robbed us from 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 Antonio's dance. <laughs> um, but look, you what you say about Chris Wood is is right. He is out of place in this world, but isn't it great? Like he's he's there's a few there's a few players out there. He's that Brighton player, um, Gross, Christian Gross. I think he's the same. I, I don't. I don't. No, think, he's not a lumper. I don't think he's, he's a cultured footballer. Maybe I'm thinking of more pie. More pie. Oh, oh he's ferrety. Answers on a, on a postcard. But yeah, there's okay. a there's a Brighton player who I always look at and think, oh bloody hell, you could you could play for Blackpool. You you're. Uh, not one of not the massive centre back. No, no, plays up, plays plays the oh. top top of the park. Anyway, don't, okay. not, yeah, not yeah. important. But um, would you say Chris Wood is the most underrated striker in the league? Uh, quite possibly. He's definitely the most underrated striker in the league to score a hat trick this year. How many goals has he scored this year? He'd be in double figures again easily. Maybe, um, I'd say he'd be fifteen goals or something. Because uh, 15 goals, are you sure? You're not sure. You're uh, looking up. Sure. You look, you look up. Uh, more, than, more than 10, less than 20. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say that he, I would argue he is the most underrated because no one rates him. It's not even like people think he's okay. He doesn't even get a mensch. No. Like he doesn't exist. And yet still he's in double figures. And he's so important to what they what they do. Um like they kind of play him and Ashley Barnes, who's also a bit of a lumper. <laughs> yeah. A couple of guys with quality, get the balls in the box, and you know, away you go. Um, what about Spurs? Would it be? It would be very. It would be anti-Spursy if they could sneak in. I would kind of love it with Jose mm. having gone. Um, Bale scored a good hat trick. Really, really satisfying goals. Bale's goals. Yeah, he, he it was like a um, Mane finish. Yeah, one of them where he, like he didn't need to hit it so hard in the top corner. It could have just gone low, but God, it looks better when it's top it's corner. So good, so <laughs> satisfying. Bale's really good at football. You know, it, it's it's hard to know where he's gone. You know, but it's that bloke inside him is still really good at football. He's just got to let him out a bit more. Um, well, is it? I just feel like he's clearly. He's clearly, you know, he's still got a lot of talent. He's got very good left foot, but Bale's biggest weapon was always his pace, mm. and he's lost a bit of pace. So he's never going to be top, top, top player. He'd still be very good, but he's not going to be as good as he was. Yeah. So your your question is, you know, do I think Spurs are going to finish in the top four? No, no, I don't. Uh, Eleven goals for Chris Wood in the Premier League. 11 you're right so more than 10 less yeah. than 20 and four of those are in the last week so maybe yeah. um no i don't think they will and i don't want them to i just i just i just feel like there are there are points in the cycle of a club where if you haven't reinvented yourself in time you deserve a bit of a kick in and what man city do so well 
is they let players go before everyone else thinks it's the right time. So, you know, everyone thought Company had another season in him, but no, he's gone. Aguero, we all still think Aguero could walk into any team in the Premier League, but no, City let him go. You know, City do that. I'd even say Joe Hart. Everyone was, was confused about Joe Hart leaving the club. But no, let him go, right? The City are very good. Edison is so much better than Joe Hart. Of course he is, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, so what top teams, and I'm going to call City a top team, what top teams are good at is letting players go at the right time to make sure that they have replenished in a good cycle. Not a whole team, not a whole rebuild. They've let players go before everyone else thinks they should. And Spurs have not. Well, they also have had the luxury of doing that because they've got so much money and they can buy the but I mean it's a very interesting point because that is a criticism of Levy and that is probably why Pochettino got dissatisfied yeah you know in the he he basically I think he had wrung all he could out of that squad and what they really needed was to take that next step and be were they a challenger? Were they a legitimate challenger? You could argue there was a, maybe, there was a maybe, point maybe pre Christmas. Were, but yeah. If they wanted to really push on, they probably should have gone out and signed two or three absolute top quality players. Yeah, and and not players who who you would expect. I think they should have been signing centre backs. I think that they they should have been signing defensive midfields. Yes, they got Holbier this year, but but I I think that they had. They were playing Eric Dyer, played out, out of viral year too long. He's top, still there. He's still two years too long. Out of viral played yeah, l- this week. You know th- that shouldn't happen. So if you are a, if you are have aspirations to be a very very good football side in the Premier League, you need to be making those decisions early. And actually, you do get resale value for players when you sell them at their peak. We we talk about it all the time. But Fergie used to do it all the time. When a player was at its best, he'd let him go. Because what you're able to rebuild with that player, as long as you're not doing it to your whole team at once, hmm. like as long as you're not looking at an aging forward line and you're going, shit, we, we need to replace two or three of these, like like Liverpool are right now. They're looking at Mane, Firmino and Salah going, shit, they're all just about to be on the wrong side of 30 or are the wrong side of 30. We, we need to make some drastic changes to a whole chunk of our squad. They shouldn't have to do that. They, they should sell Salah now that's not a ridiculous thing to say. He no. is at the peak of his powers. They should sell Salah now. Firmino should have been gone a year ago, two years ago. Because I, I genuinely... He's th- dropped off this year, I think. Well, that's the whole point. Sell him, sell him at his peak, make a really good on-sell and, and replenish well. And you can maintain success. Do you know what? who I immediately thought of when you said that? And it's jumping around a bit. But there's a player at Man City who has quietly been one of their best players this year and I didn't necessarily think he had it in him. I thought he was a shiny bauble that like twinkles occasionally on the Christmas tree but otherwise just Ruben does, Diaz? doesn't do much. No. It's your mate, Mares. Oh in fuck the, hell, yeah. I would say he scored a goal with his right foot, do you the, see? Yeah. <laughs> the biggest but the biggest compliment I think you could give Mares this year is that he would now at least go for as much as City paid for him, but potentially more. Whereas I think when mm. he signed for Manchester City from Leicester, we all thought that Peak. He they would have paid yeah. way over the odds and that would never, you know, they'd be making a significant loss on him. Whereas I think this year, he has really, really stepped up and been like, you know, they lost Sane. Um, they sort of, you know they've got Fernand Torres who can play play out wide. He's a great right, example, Sane, of getting rid of him at the right time. Yeah, well, although he's very young, but it's you know he's he's early twenties. Um, but I, you know, I didn't think that Maris had it in him to be a main man. I thought mm. he was a come off the bench and you know do it when you're already three new up type. But he's been excellent this year, and I think that they could now sell him for for a lot of money. Yeah, I, th- I think they probably could. Uh, I can't believe, as I said, he scored a goal with his right foot. I just, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And not only that, he tried it twice. He tried, he tried it again, nearly got through the got through the keeper's legs. I think he has been reliable in games where they've needed him, and that is just worth its weight in gold. And I want maybe, 
you just when you're playing against him, you know what he's going to do, but he's good enough that he does it anyway. Because you know what he's going to do every time, but maybe he still just does you with the body swerve and the feint or something. Because I cannot believe how many times we see him do the same thing. Do the same yeah. thing and still. Like, it's not like, oh, you got me with that one. <laughs> it's like, we know. Yeah. We know what going to do. Um, did you see the quotes after the first leg of the um, Champions League semi, PSG? You see, you know, he scored the free kick that went through the wall. Yes. And everyone's... Oh, my God. Because oh, we haven't got to talk about that yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, Fuck me. Well, that... we haven't got much time, but, but let me just... Disgraceful, that wall. Well, everyone's whinging about the wall. Did you hear the Mario's quote about the goal? No quote from Marius he goes I wanted to go round the wall but to be honest I missed it I went between two players unfortunately it went in he, he miscued it so you, I mean it is what it is uh, right Rog we've got five minutes left of this football shed and we've got two weeks worth of side stories so let's go um, let's AB it you want to go first um, oh god Jeff uh, no okay I'll go first Barcelona are about to offer Lionel Messi a 10-year contract. Well, that's silly. Disgust. <laughs> How old is he? 35? 33? Uh, 33. 10 years. It makes you wonder why they're in such a fucking financial mess. I'd just move him on. <laughs> move him on. If he was at Man City, he'd be going to Barcelona now, wouldn't he? I'd just move him on. Okay, your turn. Um, did you... This isn't really a side story... But did you see Mason Mount's really good assist in oh, the Fulham game? Yes. I feel like since we slated Mount Peahead, um, he's on, been brilliant on this yeah. shed. He's been so good, and he's been doing like um, flashy things that I said he couldn't do when I like sort of was talking about him as like a glorified water carrier that runs around a lot. And then he's been like showing all his he's, flair. He's like, been his, amazing. Where he pulled the ball out of the sky and then. Um, you know, pick the pass. Oh yeah, he stalled, and then so, and then yeah. his through ball was just immaculate, just at the right moment. Um, Maybe he's very good. He's making us look silly. Yeah. Okay, right. Um. So everyone's waxing lyrical about Phil Foden. I acknowledge I know your feelings about Phil. No, I, no. I yeah. acknowledge that Phil Foden is fucking excellent. Right. But that's not my point. My side story is that so Phil Foden has got eleven goals and ten assists. So he's the first Man City player this season to get double figures for assists and goals, wow. right? Now, do you think that's impressive, right? I can see your face. You think that's impressive? Yeah, it's quite impressive. Let me tell you the first player this year for Chelsea to get double figures in goals and assists. Mason Mount? Timo Werner. Did he score 10 goals this year? He scored 11 goals and got 10 assists. Now, isn't that an interesting reflection on the narrative that surrounds players? You'd argue that Phil Foden gets jizzed on from a height on a daily basis, and Timo Werner gets held up to embarrassment uh, and shame. I, no, I'm going to disagree with you a bit here, because um, the reason those two narratives are different is because Phil Foden is there primarily to create goals or create you know, play the pass before the pass that creates the goal. That is his, pre-assist, Roger, pre-assist. That, that is his job. Yeah, yeah. And if he gets goals, that's a bonus and that's how he elevates his game. Timo Werner is there primarily to score goals and then the other stuff is a bonus. Now, I'd argue he's done the other stuff very good and he is a very, very good footballer and should be in the Chelsea team, whatever. However, he should have scored... 20 goals <laughs> yeah, you should have, yeah. at least no, I get, I, no, your point is right and he has missed some absolute I, I get it but, yeah. but, there, but there is an interesting it's he's narrative young there and he's English as opposed to young and German yeah yeah okay your turn um, I'm slightly fascinated with the Spanish title race at the moment oh yeah uh, in that there are still four clubs in it so um, Atletico are top then Real Madrid and Barca are next, who are two points behind on the same points. And then Sevilla in fourth. Jesus. Um, are only three points behind Atletico. And goal differences are generally recoverable, apart from Sevilla, whose is a fair bit less. So they probably... But it's not done on goal difference in Spain. It's done on head-to-head. Head-to-head records. Yeah, yeah. Um, but... Uh, Sevilla um, had a game at the weekend and so obviously it's fairly important with the title race um, you know being so close um, 
and I don't know if you saw this, but it was a pretty um, tight game. They're playing against Granada, um, and uh, Granada got got a last minute penalty. Experts, Soldado. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the they announced the time added on, and it seemed like the time added on went very quickly. Um, so the ref, I think it was like three minutes added on, and then they only played something like ninety seconds. Um, there was a minute left, and the, everyone kind of knew, but no one said anything. And the players have started going off the pitch, and you know the refs obviously looked at his watch. Like oh, I don't know the, the exact details of what happened, but something's gone wrong with his watch. Yeah, yeah. To the point, but a load of the Sevilla players have already gone off down the tunnel. They decided that they'd actually lost a minute of the game and that they should come back and play that minute. What? So they had to literally go and get players who had shirts off, gone down the tunnel into the change rooms to go and get them back on. Don't tell pitch. me they scored in that last minute. No, they didn't. Oh. So I'm... it was, it, it, yeah, they play, played out and Sevilla still won 2 1. But it was, you can imagine the, you know, the, the, the drama and obviously if they would have conceded an equaliser. But I, um, I really hope Sevilla win yeah oh i suppose i wouldn't mind atletico winning because they're a bit of an ugly duckling but um i just think that to have those you know four clubs that's amazing that would be really exciting you know and you want the sort of the the dark horse to win i suppose in that scenario uh my last one today will be that (laughs) in the euros national teams are allowed 26 players instead of 23 you see that news no yeah, in so the squad. In the squad. So it's to lighten the load because of the the compacted season that everyone's had with the older coronavirus. Are the Euros happening, Jeff? Oh, well, probably. But the, the, Do we know where they're happening yet? Yeah, well, they change all the time. So, so they, there was a game that was meant to be happening in Dublin, which is now happening at Wembley instead. So one of the stipulations by UEFA is you have to have fans in the stadium. So if you are were originally hosting a game, because obviously we know that this Euros is being spread around Europe because it's yep. an anniversary Which one. probably not a good idea in a pandemic. No, it's a crap idea. But what they're saying is that you have to be able to have stadium fans in your stadium, which is probably a sponsorship corrupt UEFA strategy anyway. <laughs> but... Um, uh, because they won't be allowed in Northern Ireland, the game that was going to be in Dublin has been moved, uh, and that's in Wembley. I'm not sure where the rest are being held or whether there's any fluctuations, but it's happening. Ask me about the Olympics. I don't think that's happening, but I, I think um, I think the Euros, Euros is going to happen. Yeah, but yeah, 26 people instead of 23. So just in case you felt bad about dragging 23 athletes across Corona-ridden Europe, take three more. But we will be able to fit Foden, <laughs> Madison, uh, nah, man. Rashford. Madison's not getting, getting in that squad. After we didn't do a shed that week when um, Madison and Deed was it? No, not Madison and Deed. Three Leicester players got um, banished from the uh, squad. Do you yeah. remember? Do you remember this story? So it was oh god. But Madison was one of them. So essentially, they, they got yeah. they got dropped for a COVID breach. But when the when the story came out, essentially they were having a party. Was it a guy with the big hair? Um, Chowdhury? Uh and Fafana. Was it Fafana? Fafana, yeah. So they were um, they were they were having a party, right? They're having a, a big they a were. big booze up party. It was party, James's yeah. house. And uh, what? Oh, this is terrible. So right, they, but their neighbour saw them all having a party, and the neighbour went to the went to the press and gave this story. So there was a point in the night where um. Brendan Rogers found out that they were having this party and sent them all a text message. And they all learned, they all got this text message at the same time going, oh shit, the gaffer knows, oh, we're here. Someone's coming round. Someone's coming round to the house. You know, you know this story? You know this story? <laughs> <laughs> I, I know there was a breach, but I don't know the details. Oh man. So, so, okay. so what they did is they turned all the lights off and they hid. so they turned the lights up and hid the neighbours got to the press and gone I was just watching it I was just watching them all just like hide so someone's knocking on the door going dun 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 was it just the three of them no no they're having a party there's loads of people there they're having a party so turn the music off all the people were hiding everyone's like hide hide there's someone at the door (laughs) and then that person at the door left so suddenly half an hour later 
taxis start rocking up in this house. <laughs> all these people start getting out and they continue the party somewhere else. So next day when they go into training, they're told, no, 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 that is disgraceful. You're out. And if I remember correctly, Leicester lost that game, but they were out. And, and yeah. it was... um. But they're back in from the cold since. Yeah, they're back. They're back in from the cold, and I and I think Brendan Rodgers handled it perfectly. You know, the way he was with the media was was excellent, saying that they deserved it, and the way he was with the players was excellent. However, if they if they drop out of Europe by three points, I, I there is no way Madison is going to the Euros. No way Gareth Southgate looks at that after everything he's done already and That's takes true. him for England. No way. Good, good footballer or not, it is a shame. Okay, anything else, Rog? No. It's been bloody great to be back in the sheds. Um, I'm some sorry big if... Big picture, some big sky thinking this week. Maybe yeah. We'll, maybe we'll talk about football soon. I really can't wait for the day that we the, that we the, rock up and we look at... We talk about football. Yeah, look at a fixture list and rock up. Um, quick uh, John update. The We all hope that John will be back for the end of season awards. Um it's a good goal to work towards and I think he had some real stinker suggestions at the beginning of the season so it would be a real shame for him to miss getting, <laughs> a, getting run over the coals. Um, um, and we should say um, thanks to everyone um, that's uh, sent messages in um, and support for John and and that's great and and keep those coming and yeah we'll hope that we'll have a full accompaniment back in the shed soon. Yeah because you must be sick of us. No. I, I am a little... Are you? Yeah. Okay. Also, how's the music go? Bye. Bye.